0: Christ or Confucius.
1: Of course, the, the most famous episode in Socrates' life was his death. Uh, right. Legend has it that uh, he was remarkably brave, courageous as he faced death. I mean, he, he, he stood up to his principles, he was condemned to death, and apparently he died. I mean, drinking the poison, he died without regret and uh, with great courage. Is that true as far as we know? Well, we have no way of knowing whether it's true or not. Actually, that's the problem. Even take a character
0: like Seneca, where we know more about Seneca because he lives five hundred years later. There are historians like Tacitus who had access to presumably primary source material, so we have several accounts of the death of Seneca, which are clearly meant to be on the model of the death of Socrates. And even there, you know, one historian says, "Well, actually, he whimpered and he wasn't brave at all." And another source says,
1: oh, <laughs> "Well, you whimper, and then uh, you, yeah, you know, you're tarred
0: forever in, in history." <laughs> well, in the ancient ancient world, that's one of the things that's interesting, is yes, you're tarred forever because philosophy wasn't just a set of doctrines, it was supposed to be a feasible way of life and different schools would promulgate their philosophies as good ways to live. So if you had an exemplar who turned out to be unable to live up to this ideal, it would be kind of like having an evangelical preacher who's railed against homosexuality being found in the men's room with a boy.
1: Hmm. You know, what What I find striking about all of this is I don't think today's philosophers think about living exemplary lives at all. I mean, I don't even think that's part of the discourse of modern philosophy. Yeah, that's basically true.
0: Although I got into this project as a result of working on a book 20 years ago on Michel Foucault, who at the end of his life was very interested in the notion of philosophy as a way of life. As he was dying, he was trying to figure out, my goodness, what have I done with my life? Who am I? And Foucault obviously has antecedents, so that in the 20th century, uh, when I was in graduate school, I had a great interest in Martin Heidegger and Jean Paul Sartre. So there is a clear trajectory from this kind of um, interest in how to live life to 20th century so-called existentialism. But it is clear that there's
1: been a kind of professionalization of philosophy as an academic discipline. I want to ask you about Nietzsche. Nietzsche, of course, being the, the great 19th century philosopher. He's a fascinating character. I mean, enormously influential still to this day. But there's a tragedy sort of at the core of his life, and that's that just as he was starting to gain renown when he became famous, he lost his mind. Yeah.
0: The tragedy goes deeper than that, and one thing that popped out that I wasn't expecting is just how painful and melancholy Nietzsche's life was. I mean, the first thing is his father dies when he's five or six years old. His father's a Lutheran minister. His father doesn't die of just anything. He dies of what they called softening of the brain. So Nietzsche from then on is obsessed with the idea that he could die like his father. What he saw was a man who in his final days was demented. So what he's afraid of is going mad. Then, at some point in his 20s, he's given a diagnosis, probably, of syphilis. And uh, he would have known perfectly well what the implications of that were, because syphilis was the great romantic disease of the intellectual class in the 19th century.
1: But it also had profound medical consequences. It has
0: profound medical consequences. And uh, it goes into a period of dormancy for an uncertain length of time, but it begins to have effects, including nibbling away at the neurons of the brain as it begins to kick in, and among its effects, before it issues in frank paralysis and dementia, is episodes where one experiences seizures, raptures, a kind of mania, followed by depression, so that I realized as I was telling the story that, you know, this is a man who, uh, when he was writing some of his most influential books, was racked with pain, uh, often convulsed with sort of illuminatory moments, and um, often at the same time dosed on
1: quite large doses of opiates, Hmm. which he writes about in his letters. And and he, I mean, he had this remarkably productive period, particularly in the 1880s, and then he totally lost it by, what, 1889
0: or so? Yeah, at the beginning of 1889. But the period that produces the Gay Science and Thus Spoke Zarathustra, the way he would write is he would compose one book of Zarathustra in ten days and collapse for a month. And then he would marshaled the energy to write again. By this point, I mean, nobody was really reading Nietzsche's books. He had started out with a bang. So, Birth of Tragedy had created something of a sensation. But each subsequent book, fewer and fewer people were reading it. And this also made him very upset because he... by.